0: going linux episode 412 listener feedback welcome to the going linux podcast i'm your host larry bushy
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill.
0: Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
1: We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
0: If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 1- 904-468-7889 and that is using something called a telephone it's kind of an antique technology that is well before voip and um, uh, email and social media
1: (laughs) in today's episode listener feedback
0: how you doing bill
1: doing well work is busy uh how i can you? tell
0: yeah between the two <laughs> of us uh the delay by the way of of episodes is mainly because of work but also because bill's computer kind of is in the hospital so um <laughs> how's that going bill uh, how's the patient The
1: patient is on life support, but will survive. (laughs)
0: Okay, (laughs) may not have full function of all the appendages, but
1: yeah, it's not going to die. Okay. Uh, The one thing I was uh, telling you about off uh, before we started recording was. I hate screws. And, you know, it's like, how many screws do you need to hold this one little piece of plastic in? And I think the engineers and designees just say, let's just have some fun and just put screws everywhere. Uh, so yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and this is a laptop, of course, so it's particularly difficult. The screws are about the size of a pinhead. And... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and also it's like, you know, it's it's pretty bad. You're sitting there going, taking a picture. Okay, I got a picture of this, so I know how it goes back together. But no, it's coming along fine. Uh, I think the uh, motherboard was the problem of it, so I think we're uh, – since it's an older computer, I was able to buy one for very cheap. Uh, same, and so it's just a drop-in replacement. It's just Good. having to get through all the screws and glue.
0: Yeah, well, good luck, and uh, let us know when it's done, whether it's uh, back up to full speed or whether you're kind of hampered, but uh, we'll we'll probably find out when we go to record next, but anyway. If uh, if
1: you hear me screaming uh, in the distance, you know what happened. (laughs) Yeah,
0: okay. (laughs) I probably won't even need this uh, audio connection to hear it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> nope, you hear me all the way in California.
0: Yep, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the patient is going to make it, and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. But uh, in the meantime, we have an episode to record, and so shall we get started?
1: I think we should. Yep. Uh, okay, starting off, Sean provided us audio feedback using our voicemail line, and uh, Larry, he kind of wants us to talk about some different stuff.
0: Okay, well, let's listen to his voicemail and then we'll comment.
2: All right, Aloha from Utah, Larry and Bill. This is Sean NC17 Robinson sending a voicemail in on your voicemail line at one nine zero four four six eight seven eight eight nine. I wanted to prove that it is not only for solicitors of unwanted services and products. A uh, bit of advice to any listeners, there's a time limit on the voicemail line, so keep that in mind if you leave voicemail feedback. Otherwise, email in an AugVorbis file to goinglinux at gmail.com. And I had a few things I've been meaning to say the last few years, or at least since I last wrote in an email, so here we go. First of all, it would be nice if you guys could talk a little bit about the... Uh, Commander Keen game, which went open source and had its source code posted online. I think it got posted to GitHub and got ported to all sorts of places after that. Keen and Dreams is the one, I believe. Also, Zonotic. Have you heard of this one? Spelled X-O-N-O-T-I-C. It's a really nice first-person shooter game. Uh asked you guys before if you might review it. Um, No news on that front, I guess, but hopefully one one day Bill or Larry will perhaps play this first-person shooter and let us all know what you think. I think it's really great, for what it's worth. Free open-source game. Also, here's an idea for a future episode. How to use Blender to edit video. Blender is great for 3D animation, but it also has other features, like, let's say, making video games. Yes, Blender can be used to make your own computer games, but it also can be used for video editing. I've edited videos with it before, and I think that would make a great subject for an episode of Going Linux. Um, speaking of which, have you guys found any other good uh, text-to-speech readers for um, Linux users that are hard of seeing or blind? It would be nice to know if there's been any developments in that particular direction. In addition to that, you guys have mentioned Steam OS before, which is based on the Linux kernel. Is this a good OS to have installed as part of a dual boot setup, or does it not like to play well with other OSs? Is it be- just better to run Steam on a regular Linux distro? Speaking of which, Kobo Deluxe, an excellent free, libre, open source computer game. One of my favorites, actually, along with X-Cobo, the original open-source game that inspired it. Uh, hopefully you guys can talk about that or play a little of it. It's a top-down, two-dimensional shooter. An excellent shmup, whether you're playing the original one or its sequel. I personally prefer the original one to Kobo Deluxe, which was written in SDL, but both of them are great. Uh, next time, going Linux, guys, if you give away more software or anything else, Use the random.org uh, feature to do the giveaway. It's a really nice source of random numbers that are truly random, and it has a special feature just for giveaways. so that might be a bit nicer than what you guys used last time. But it's been so long I don't remember what you used. I just have this old note. In addition to that, have you heard of WT Social? It's uh, kind of like Wikipedia by one of the Wikipedia co-founders, but it's a... Uh, social media network, minus all the ads and intrusiveness, and it was the talk of the town in 2019. Um, Hopefully you guys tried that out. Something you might not have mentioned on your recent episode about Office productivity software and working with Microsoft Office is you can use Crossover to run Microsoft Office if you have to use Microsoft Office, and uh, additionally... There's community.goinglinux.com, but have you considered having goinglinux.com slash community as well? That way you could have one SSL TLS certificate for both and don't have to worry about those problems you had in the past with, you know, error messages when things expire unexpectedly. You know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and end my little message right here. So, aloha from Utah, y'all, from the number one pandantic minion, NZ17
0: lots of gaming suggestions in there, bill that's kind of your forte any uh any thoughts
1: so yeah i remember the commander king game it's back it was written in a, it's a side scroller if i remember correctly and it was in like 1990 1991 so I'm sure it would probably run on Linux under you know Wine or or maybe DOSBox. I haven't really looked into it. Now I I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this next one called Zonic. It's a first-person person shooter. I I've, I've actually played that. I think I've played that. And it's kind of like a uh early version of, of like Doom if, uh, if anybody kind of can uh envision that but it, it's fast it's fun and uh, you also can get it it's multiplayer so you can get your buddies on you can go shoot each other in arenas so I th- that's that has always been a lot of fun it's great for like uh, land parties I think they even built in one now and you can um, do it over the internet but don't quote me on that I haven't looked at it in about a year uh, and then of course and you know, the 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 program that does it all is Blender. And yeah. Apparently, it can uh, it can edit videos and and does animation and it's like yeah. So we probably should get a have a little bit of a, a, a series on Blender because it, I think it can actually fly the the space shuttle. Um, yeah. Time.
0: I think so. One of the reasons I you know I tried Blender a while ago and one of the reasons I didn't use it and chose audacity for audio recording especially for the podcast is primarily i just wanted an audio recorder i didn't want to kill a fly with a sledgehammer and it looked like blender was the sledgehammer but taking a look at what it can do especially you know 10 plus years later it's probably a good idea so we'll uh, add that to our list of things to review. of course Okay, let, let me talk a little bit about the text-to-speech uh, readers. Um, we've had quite a bit of uh, feedback from our blind users who are the primary users of text-to-speech. Not that other people don't use it. I use text-to-speech as well for some reading things. I, I think from a, a an accessibility perspective, the best that is out there is um, uh, Orca. Uh, for Linux, and none of the others can hold a candle to it. Uh, And by comparison with the exceedingly um, expensive application for Windows, JAWS, uh, it is on par in terms of technology, on par in terms of features. There are probably some things that JAWS does that Orca doesn't do, but uh, from an accessibility perspective, our recommendation stays with Orca. Uh, I've, I've looked at some of the other distributions, and I've actually helped with some Linux distributions that are meant for accessibility. And, you know, they all tend to use Orca uh, as the preferred text-to-speech technology. Uh, There are several others that are made for reading documents. Um, There are some built into browsers. There are some that are add-ons for browsers, like Firefox add-ins or Chrome add-ins or that sort of thing. And they work pretty well. There's even a um, a text-to-speech for PDF readers, depending on which PDF reader that you get. But uh, for the best text-to-speech experience for someone who has to rely on text-to-speech to use their computer. Um, Orca has it, hands down. So that that's the review I'm doing for now, and we'll take another look in a bit and see if there are others out there that have come on the scene. And if any of you have some suggestions on text-to-speech readers that you would like us to uh, review... You just uh, send it in to us by email or wh- however you want to get it to us.
1: The next one the topic he really wanted us to look into was uh, SteamOS in a dual boot situation. And from what I understood, that, uh, the SteamOS was based on Ubuntu, so <clears throat> I don't have a lot of experience with that. But I would say, if you're going to... Uh, be using uh, like SteamOS just to play games i would go ahead and put that on a separate partition
0: yeah just from a performance perspective uh yeah. on the on the other hand that doesn't you know having it on a separate partition doesn't r- remove the possibility of having a dual boot just because it's on a separate partition so from what i understand yes you can dual boot the one thing that i wouldn't do uh if you're a big time gamer and you're looking for to eke the best performance out don't put it in a virtual machine or something like that but no no don't do that yeah as long as it's running from its own partition on in a dual boot scenario i think you're you're at least able to get all the hardware uh tweaks out of your system as you can uh it's it's essentially it is uh installing it on its own it's just you have other things installed as well that you can choose to boot to, but they're not taking up any resources while you're using Steam OS.
1: Yeah, the the next two things that he want to talk about, I'm not familiar with. I've, I've, I've vaguely heard uh, terms. I'm gonna to have to look them up, and we can address them on another podcast. But the I think it's Kobo Cobo Deluxe and X kobo I think that's a game. I'm not sure. Something tells me it's a game with, uh, but. I'll look it up and uh, see about <laughs> what it is. So much software with Linux. It's like, I can't keep up. Uh, and then he suggested using random.org for random numbers for giveaways. And I, that's not a bad, uh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> we always do things the hard way.
0: <laughs> we do. Uh, I think our random number generator was just in, you know, a terminal and, I'm not sure that's the hard way. I think that's the overly simplistic way, <laughs> but random.org seems pretty easy too. <laughs> we'll We'll consider that if we have uh, the need for random numbers, especially for giveaways.
1: yeah. what is w.t. social?:
0: I don't social know. Media. it's it's uh, you know, according to Sean, it's a social media platform. Haven't used oh. it. We'll have to look into that and see what it's all about. So put that one on the shelf for now, too we did uh, talk a little bit about using crossover for running Microsoft office. And of course, crossover is the partially proprietary um, software version of wine. It's from the same company. Uh, So, you know, we, we really don't have any additional comments on that. Uh, And then the last one is on community.goinglinux.com. And, I thought we actually had going linux.com slash community uh re-routing to the same location, but apparently I didn't set that up. So I'm gonna to have to take a look at that and go into our website and get that set up. There's gotta be a reason I didn't do that, and maybe it's because for some reason you can't redirect that link. Uh anyway, I'll I'll look at it and we'll see if we can get that working. But right now, Community.GoingLinux.com is the right place to go. All right. Okay. Any other comments on any of that, Bill?
1: Uh, I'll look. I gotta look at that uh, that social media platform and uh, and I haven't used Crossover in years because it's mainly just you know, like I said, it's got some proprietary uh, things under the hood, but it's basically Wine. I think Wine works pretty well. Yeah, But uh, then again, I'll look at it and see if they've made any different features and made it easier to use.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. Well, moving on then. Uh, Jim wrote us about Microsoft Office Save Formats. Dear Larry and Bill, regarding your recent episode on Office in Linux, here is my solution for both Windows and Linux. I installed LibreOffice on my customers' computers as well as my own. Nothing against OpenOffice. I just happen to be familiar with LibreOffice. I think OpenOffice has the same features that I'm about to mention. Well, just breaking in here, Jim, yes, uh, OpenOffice and LibreOffice started, both started from the OpenOffice platform. Um, I've been reading that LibreOffice has had quite a few more enhancements and additions than OpenOffice. Since Adobe took over OpenOffice, I think it's been kind of sitting there languishing. Maybe they've made a few uh, improvements here or there, but I'm hearing that it's not quite as up-to-date as LibreOffice. So some of these features may not be in OpenOffice. So continuing with Jim's email. Now, here's the key point. Set LibreOffice so it automatically saves files in Microsoft Office format. End of your troubles. No one knows the difference. To do this in LibreOffice, and I think also in OpenOffice, go to Tools, then go to Options. On the left side, expand, load, slash, save. Click General. And on the right side, Document Type, use drop-down to choose Text Document. And then select Always Save As. Microsoft Word 97-2003. Then change document type to spreadsheet. Always save as Microsoft Excel 97-2003. Why that format, 97-2003? Well, Microsoft Office programs are backwards compatible with the older Microsoft formats and will open that file format just fine. I do not have any issues using that older format. Maybe the newer formats, especially with some advanced features, might be problematic. But for simple functionality and most uses, this works fine. And remember, LibreOffice will open just about anything, so no issues in opening Microsoft documents in LibreOffice that you might receive from others. Another bonus no Microsoft macro viruses, which is a big ongoing problem still today. Most of my customers do not have heavy usage of Excel. That is to say, the more esoteric features such as macros. Most have simple spreadsheet needs like math type uses. As for writer, I personally like it as much or more than Microsoft Word. One last note, I do have some use for Excel macros. I run Microsoft Office in a virtual machine, but I use Excel 2000 or 2003 on a Windows XP virtual machine. Yeah, it's old, but runs all the macros I need. That virtual machine never touches the internet, so viral infections are not an issue. Windows XP and the older versions of Excel are less memory-intensive than later versions. I do have some customers who have a need for some unusual Windows-only programs. I have had to resort to setting up Windows XP virtual machines on Ubuntu Mate 20.04 using VirtualBox. Wine didn't work out with these unusual programs. Also, I had some issues with the versions of VirtualBox in the repo. I don't recall what the issue was, but I just downloaded the VirtualBox dev installer from the VirtualBox website, and that works fine. Jim, computer support tech. Lots of good information in there, Jim, and I agree with um, most, if not all, of what you said. I think... uh, Opening files in LibreOffice, regardless of where they come from, is not a problem. It is sharing them with people who use current versions of Microsoft Office that often gets us into trouble. And usually it's the more advanced features. Certainly the macros don't work. Um they're completely non-functional, and that's why um Jim was saying that there are no problems with macro viruses because they don't work when you're opening uh, in LibreOffice. Um, and in addition to that, I think the only real problem in uh, compatibility between LibreOffice and Microsoft Office has to do with formatting, and especially when you're using pictures, images in the document, whether that's uh, a PowerPoint uh, or Impress, and when you have the pictures in the Word or Writer application. So it's that kind of formatting that gets fouled up. There are workarounds for some of that that take a little bit of work and, quite frankly, too much work to be bothered with. Uh, just keep your documents simple, and they'll work just fine, in in my uh, opinion. So that's... Uh, that's my input on that there may be a couple of other things i could comment on but let me just turn it over to you and get your input bill
1: so i actually use LibreOffice for um when i'm at at home and i just need to do something and work uh for work, uh, instead of breaking up my laptop, I just use LibreOffice and send it to my work account. And as far as you know, just formatting and uh, for letters and stuff, I don't have any issues. No one knows any difference. Where I run into is when uh, everybody loves their spreadsheets with macros. Now, uh, I, I've heard that you know, the Impress does have macros. It's just not compatible with. Uh, the uh, Microsoft format, so anytime I have to open a um anything that's beyond a simple spreadsheet you know for excel file, I have to use the microsoft uh, or the things don't load right and it's just like i said it's too much work to try to figure it out, but for about say ninety percent of what I do uh LibreOffice works perfect for me,
0: yep, I think that's the same uh experience that most people will have. Uh, the only thing that I think is disconcerting from people to for people moving from the Microsoft products over to LibreOffice is the difference in the user interface for some of the advanced features so for example when yeah. when i'm writing the books on Ubuntu mate um all of the uh, templates and tutorials and so on that the Publishing sites provide are written from a Microsoft Office perspective. And so I have to do some mental gymnastics to figure out what is the equivalent in LibreOffice, which for me is not a problem because I've been using LibreOffice uh, Libre for quite a while. But for somebody new to LibreOffice, finding where you change the uh, font uh, and the paragraph settings is often a bit of a challenge because Uh, LibreOffice uses the concept of having a navigator where you do that, as opposed to doing it in settings, which is, I think, where Microsoft Office makes those changes for you. So it's just a matter of figuring out for the first time where things are. And as long as you use LibreOffice on a regular basis, it becomes second nature uh, for looking for those things where they are in LibreOffice. And then when you go back to, in my experience, when I go back to uh, Microsoft Office, I have to figure out where was that setting again <laughs> in, in Microsoft? I don't remember. I'll just use LibreOffice.
1: <laughs> yeah, LibreOffice, Libre, Libre I, I like the interface. I I, I never had a problem. Um, part of the problems that, you know, i run into is that where i do use a lot of uh, microsoft products at work you know sometimes the mental gymnastics of trying to remember it's like what where do they where do they keep it in this program yeah exactly yeah um, yeah after a while you just like if you use them enough you just know but if i i just need to do a uh a presentation or a um uh, send out an email or whatever. I just – I don't know if it's just muscle memory. I just go automatically leave my office pop, and uh, I don't have any problems yep. uh, as far as getting things done. So anyway, it's kind of uh, the that, that hybrid uh, <laughs> software usage model we use.
0: Yeah, and it just takes a little getting used to. That's all.
1: I mean I prefer to use um, – uh, Open source products when I can, but when I have to use a proprietary, I'm not going to, you know, uh, just say, hey, uh, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's just – you, you got to do what you got to do. Yep. So I kind of slide with use – the, use the tool that's the best and then move on. Yes. <laughs> All right. Our next email comes from Stefan who sent us an email regarding episode 410 and wine. He writes, hello, Larry and Bill. In the last episode, you talked about using MS Office with Wine and your experience with Wine or Crossover. I haven't tried to run MS Office with Wine or Crossover and never will. But when I began to switch from Windows 7 to Linux Debian in 2018, one of my early needs was to run some special Windows programs on Debian. So I needed to get Wine running As Debian is not as easy as Ubuntu or any other distribution for beginners, it was a good learning experience. I switched very fast to the developer edition of Wine and my needed Windows programs ran really smooth. Two or three months ago, I got a used HP EliteBook where I installed a Debian-based Linux Mint. The installation of Wine was very easy just by clicking the Install button in the software application, it, it got, just got installed. And I was ready to run the installed programs on my Windows programs. With the help of Wine, I run five Windows programs where there are no native Linux programs. Keep up the good work. Best regards. From Germany, Stefan. Thanks, Stefan. So he's actually been pretty successful running it. I I wonder what kind of versions he's running. Back when I had a little free time, I actually tried to um, get it to run, and it, was, it wasn't it was having it. So he might be running an older version of uh, Microsoft, but kind of uh, would be interested to see what programs he is running. So he's running five, so that's cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And I know that when I was running Linux Mint as my regular Linux distribution, that wine seemed to run better in Linux Mint than it does on Ubuntu Mate or any other distribution I've tried it on. And I don't know whether that's because the Linux Mint folks have put some additional effort into making wine work. Uh, I just downloaded it from their repositories and used it. And as far as I know, it was the same repositories as Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate and the other Ubuntu's use. Uh, Maybe even it's taking it from the Debian repository, but um, they may be doing some tweaks uh, in Linux Mint to make Wine run a little bit better.
1: And that wouldn't surprise me if they were.
0: Right. Exactly. So thanks for the feedback, Stefan. And if you have any other feedback on success, let us know this is great, thanks
1: yeah, I'd be interested to know which uh, programs, if it's you know not nothing personal or anything like that, uh, well, that run well under um, the wine because you know I'm sure there's other users that uh, are wondering if those programs work. so if you want, send us a, a a list of the programs that you've been able to run successfully and we'll uh, make sure it's available for other people.
0: yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on to Highlander, who provided us an update to a previous message about NVIDIA video cards. Hey, Bill and Larry, finally it works. This is the reason why. And he provides a link to uh, Kali Linux documents in their general use section, installing NVIDIA drivers on Kali Linux. And I'm thinking that this is one of those situations where The instructions for Kali are very similar to what you might use on any other Linux distribution. Highlander writes, Once I figured out the roadblocks on how to install Kali to the hard drive, the website above mentioned it's possible to run Kali with my video card plugged into the motherboard. The website webpage above has been on the internet for just over 24 hours, as of the time of writing of Highlander's email. I've been waiting for this, For two years. Uh, Proof of concept if you want to do a quick test to see if this is the case, just use the most recent disk image available directly from the Kali website here, and we'll have that link. I've tried burning the ISO to a blank DVD and ran the operating system with my video card installed and working just after the DVD boots. Select the fail safe boot option. In about two minutes, you will have the Kali OS running with your video card. I haven't tried to run the failsafe boot option while using a USB, but it's reasonable to presume that it will work. And clicking through the first link that he provides, it's an article on installing NVIDIA GPU drivers. And a couple of caveats before you get started, some prerequisites. They talk about GPUs with CUDA compute capability, which is an NVIDIA thing, greater than version 5.0 are recommended, but with GPUs with less will still work. Uh, It goes through the setup in Kali from a terminal, of course, and some additional caveats here about um, when it starts up upon Kali Uh, starting back up. Certain things may appear different than what was expected. If certain things are smaller, this could be because of high DPI on your computer, if you have that capability. And if things are larger, this could be because the DPI is set incorrectly, and there are ways to go in and tweak that in Kali. And something called Hashcat, and benchmarking, and troubleshooting... Uh, So this is quite a thorough article on getting this to work.
1: Isn't Kelly that uh, uh, security-based Linux distribution? Okay.
0: Yes, it is. Um, And as I scroll down to the bottom of the list, uh, it also, the previous article is on high DPI, high dots per inch display settings. So maybe there's a, uh, a fix for some of the high DPI issues that this might introduce to your system, if you have high DPI capabilities in your uh, on your computer at all. So there you go.
1: Highlander loves him some Cali.
0: Yep. So thanks for that Highlander, and um, keep him coming. He's always got something. Once, once, or once a month, or once every couple of months, he sends us something, and uh, uh, or or sends it to the Mintcast, the Linux Mint community's uh, podcast, and copies us or sends it to us and copies the Linux Mint community.
1: Thanks, Highlander, because Highlander comes up with some of the wildest stuff. So our next email comes from Michael, who wrote about extracting an app image. He writes, hi, Larry and Bill. How do I extract Etcher, the image-burning tool, from an app image? I am wanting to burn a copy of Solus Linux to a USB as I find Etcher more straightforward to burn images to USB than USB image burner uh, disks or whatever comes with Mate. I have screwed up a few USB sticks with the default application. I got the Etcher app f- uh, from the main site. I think I got it another way before, but can't remember how. I know it was accessible with Orca. I think it just had to locate my image uh, file, press one button, and away it went. I have read a few good things about Solace uh, Michael from West Yorkshire, UK. So, extracting. uh, Since it's an app image, um, it should just run... Um, there's nothing to really extract, right? Um, the where it comes in, I, I, and I think Mate should support app images to by default. You should download it, um. But Larry's the uh, the guru for um, Mate. Larry does. Uh, Mate have uh, support for app images?
0: It does and once the file, once you have the file that ends in image, as long as it's made executable you should be able to just double click on it in, in the Kaha um, file manager and um, it'll run right from there and you can add it to your menu if you want to do that or you can run it from command line, uh, but it's it's meant to be run, double clicked from your desktop or the file manager, wherever it is. So you're right, there's nothing to extract. So I took a look at what is actually available on the Etcher website, and they provide the app image in a zip file. So if what you're talking about is extracting the zip file, extracting the app image file from the zip file, the compressed file, you can do that. And since Michael is a blind user, uh, you can do that from the command line. You can do that using Engrampa, which is the um, file extractor or file compression program built into uh, or provided with Ubuntu Mate. You can use that and just point at the file and and extract it. But if you want to do it from the command line, uh, you just uh, type uh, in grandpa space dash dash extract dash here, and then the name of the zip file that you want to extract, and it will extract it into whatever folder you have open. And then you should be able to just run that file. Uh, In this case, it'll be a file that's named something like Balina dash etcher dash electron dash one point five point one two one or whatever the version is dash Linux dash x64 dot app image. So it's not a small uh file name, <laughs> but on the other hand, it is something you could rename the file to something you wanted to, like etcher.appimage image, and that should be able to work for you. And I uh, bear in mind, I haven't tried that. You should be able to do that. And then, um, the other thing is rather than, and this is probably the preferred way on, um, Ubuntu Mate to get Etcher is rather than go to the Etcher website, the software boutique has Etcher in it, in, um, Ubuntu Mate, Ubuntu Mate's software boutique. And you're looking for something called, all one word, Balena Etcher, B-A-L-E-N-A-E-T-C-H-E-R. So that is the application name, although it's often abbreviated to Etcher uh, because the program is Etcher and it's from the company Balena. But uh, that version should automatically install uh, from the software boutique, and because of that, it will set up an entry in your menu and you don't have to manually add it to the menu like you would if you were to use an app image. And then it's automatically supported from your regular updates on Ubuntu Mate from the software boutique. Uh, So you don't have to worry about updates uh, and, and manual updates as you would if you were to get it from the, at your website, you may be running a version older Than the most recent version available on the Etcher website, but uh, hey, at least it works. And uh, Ubuntu Mate is going to put the effort into making sure that whatever accessibility tools are available in Ubuntu Mate are going to work with the applications like Etcher as well, as far as the operating system can make it work. Of course, Etcher has to put the effort into making the accessibility features work as well, but uh, I believe. Balena has done that on Etcher. So uh, try it from the software boutique. And if you still want to use the app image, the email that I sent you, Michael is going to give you some specific instructions on how you can get this working. But my firm recommendation is use the version that's in the repositories. In this case, it's even in the software boutique.
1: That's the first place you should go for software like that. But I've included a link to their website. If you do a search on Google, there's a whole bunch of people that, are, that have you know offered um, their version of Etcher. So that's why it's so important to go to um, the software boutique first because you know that's been vetted. But I put the correct... Uh, uh, Website link to yours, if, if you want to see what the latest and greatest is or uh, if they've added any features. So, that, so you got it a couple different ways.
0: Yep. Thanks for doing that. Okay. And I think that brings us to the end of our email this time.
1: All right. So hopefully once work settles down, we'll get back on a, 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 our normal <laughs> schedule again.
0: It's just life gets in the way, or in this case, work gets in the way. I guess work is life, or life is work, or they're related somehow. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and our next episode, hopefully, will be a user experience episode on something I know we've been trying to review, Pop OS. We just haven't had an opportunity to go through the motions of doing what we need to do to put the review together. But promise we'll do that it may not be our next episode if if the stars align and the work god's uh, uh cooperate i think we should be in good shape for that but who knows we'll uh we'll surprise you with something else if we don't get that done in time but rest assured we will take a look at Pop! OS and provide a, uh, an update on that and until then you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on communitygoinglinux.com.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.